Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry and I recap an eventful Monday Night Raw, further dissect Money in the Bank, and speak to an 80s movie icon. WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley showed up on Monday Night Raw last night to introduce a new championship, but the reaction was less than desirable. Mark and I also go back to Sunday's Money in the Bank and talk about why AJ Styles and Seth Rollins stole the show. Plus, Sensei John Kreese, actor Martin Cove from the Karate Kid movies and the new Cobra Kai YouTube series, joins us in studio. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. You feel yeah. bad for Mick Foley. It's 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 not the fault of Mick Foley. It's oh, just the man. fact that what a bad spot to be in. Like twenty four seven championship. I mean that's a that's a rough one to 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 take. Oh my! I was, I felt so bad, and I I sat there with my son Jacob, who you know, is like a wrestling historian. I can't wait for the summertime so he can come sit on the sh- sit in on the show mm-hmm. because you will be shocked at some of the insight because he's got a photographic memory. So he's memorized the WWE encyclopedia. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. So I can say, Jacob, what's happening on page 36? And he'll go, oh, they're talking about Mr. Wrestling number two. And you go, holy cow, that's awesome. So I can just, it's like total recall. I can get him to bring, it's like having a computer without having a computer. It's amazing. It's so cool. You don't need a laptop. You have your son. You don't need a laptop. I got Jacob. But I want to have him on because he will be able to do exactly what I'm thinking right now is the total bringing up the past is super important. We, We always talk about the history and everything and, Bro, I, I just can't wait for that to happen. But getting back to the show, uh, I think that you got to take you got to take your time with how this title is presented, and they didn't hit the hit the nail with the hammer. They missed. They bent the nail, and I think they're gonna have to pull that bent nail out. And put a straight one back in. Like you did, like you said, they're gonna have to change the name from the Viking Raiders to the Viking Experience to something that's palatable. Yeah. And that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to rescind this name because everybody, you, Alex, 
Bubba or Bully, as they call him now. I'm always going to call him Bubba. And myself, we all wanted hardcore titles. The significance is historical. Why change it? You don't have to hit people over the head with garbage cans and kendo sticks. Just the theme of what that title represented. 24 hours. We already knew it was 24 hours. It's programmed. You don't have to say it. And for the people that don't know, they would know very fast from the first minute of that existence that it was 24 hours because people would be challenging the airport, catering, guys coming out of the bathroom with toilet paper hanging off their heel and getting rolled up. Like, I mean, everything. It would have been self-explanatory. I'm, I'm, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, and and Mark, it, it's it, it started right off the, uh, on the wrong foot. Now I'm hopeful, like you. I'm hopeful, but again, like you said, with the nail being bent and have to pull it out and put a fresh new one in, they're gonna have to do that next week when it comes yeah. to this title. Because first of all, they dug themselves into a hole. You have Mick Foley announcing a new title, so there's a lot of people speculating on what that title could be. Obviously, Bully and I talked about it yesterday. You and I talked about it a year ago. A year ago. Uh, about about returning that hardcore championship. And you have Mick Foley introducing the title. So you know who, people Who else are could be- you have found that ha- that's more synonymous with hardcore than Mick Foley? It's, it's, it, he's the guy. He's the guy. There, I could think of maybe three people. They could have got Tommy Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Um... Hardcore Holly, Terry Funk. Hardcore Holly. That's it. Where you think everybody else is not with us. So I'm just, you know, I'm hoping that we do the reboot. Yeah, because him pulling out that. The nail is bent, Dave. Yes, it's bent. And and they're going to have to pull it out. But, you know, will they? And here's the other thing. It's not even just that it's not the hardcore title, though it is the hardcore title because, like you said, it's the 24-7 championship. We knew the rules when it came to that hardcore championship. It's an it's it's another ugly title and, and of a long lineage of ugly titles for the WWE. And the reaction, as you heard from Mick Foley, and I feel bad for Mick Foley. Mick Foley's a legend, one of the greats. You know, to hear that, and he wasn't him that was getting booed. It was the title. And then the way it was presented, Mark. And I had a lot of problems with the way it was presented. The fact of, first of all, how do you? They just threw it in the ring. Whoever grabs it first is is the champion. I I, I don't know what the hell was going on there. And then it was. Who, I didn't mind that. I didn't yeah, mind okay, that. Okay, so it was kind of it kind of reminded you of like the early days of the XFL where they would throw the throw throw the ball Put in the middle on the of the field. Yard line whoever and... whoever gets it has got the ball. You didn't like that? No. Because what happened? The first time they did it, somebody got injured. You're a football traditionalist. Traditionalist. Yes, traditionalist. I am. Okay, yeah. so, but then it was who it came out. And, and and this is where, that I don't necessarily have a problem, because this could be a major, major positive. You see the, the No Way Jose's and the Mojo Raleigh's, a lot of guys that aren't really used on television coming out to win that championship. I think that's great because you have all this talent. We hear it from the nation all the time, Mark. People are complaining and bitching about the fact that they got all this talent. They're not using the talent. This is a great way 
to say, all right, here's a talent base that we're not using. They're going to go after this championship title, correct? That's a positive. I think that's great. But the pro- but the biggest thing, and this was glaring to me, they're backstage. And they have the sh- it was like a Benny Hill skit. Bobby Roode has the title. He's running with the title. You got a group of wrestlers running after him about 20 feet behind them. They run past Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin. And Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin are like, whatever. That's a title belt. I, I thought they had the looks on their faces that was a little different, Dave. I thought it was like, what, what's going on? Like, what? What's going on? Why, why is everybody running? Like, I thought it was something like that. Okay, because I, I thought it would be kind of cool if they got involved because right away you're giving a rub to that championship title saying that this is more than just, like, a mid-card title. This is something that could be significant that everybody wants to capture. But the fact that they didn't go after that title and the fact that they kind of made it into a joke and a skit I don't want this title to just be, you know, slapstick sports entertainment humor because you could really get over this mid-card talent if they have a championship title. Lance Storm sent out a tweet yesterday that I thought was extremely significant, and I want to read it, Mark, and get your take. Okay. With Foley introducing a new title on Raw tonight, that will make 11 championships and 14 people with title belts on the main roster. Think about that for a second. There's 11 championships on the main roster with 14 people holding it. That means if you're going to have an introduce a new title, that title better be significant because I just don't want it to be slapstick. Yeah, but you know what, Dave? The whole theme of the 24-hour is there, there's a lot of comedy to it. I mean, it's it's not meant to everything for everything to be serious. Okay. I mean, I I love for um, for us to have a serious discussion, but let's have a serious discussion after some whoever significance gets the title and says, "Hold on a minute, time out. Let's get a time out." And they say, "No, no, no, no. I'm I'm next. I'm next." And have people fighting and say, "Listen, I'm gonna give everybody a shot. Let's." Let's organize this. I'm going to go to the ring, and you were here first. Let's go. If you beat me, fine. I'll bow out and get to the back of the line and let the next person get a shot. And then let, well, let's do that every week. And, and, and that way you, you give identity and some rules to that whole match. And, and, and you can structure it like that. that is, it's a, there's a way that you can make it serious, but I don't think you should. I want it to be the way that it was. I remember uh, Bob Holly and, and Steve Blackman in the airport, <laughs> and, and, and uh, Blackman winning it from crash, and then Bob turns around and just <laughs> rolls up Steve Blackman. One, two, three. He won the title for like five seconds, <laughs> I, and, and a referee just – just happened to just slide out of nowhere. Is that was the thing that was the funniest to me that the referee always just slid out of nowhere at the restaurant, at the airport, coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, I, I will say I laughed out loud with our truth last night when he has Bobby <laughs> Roode get out of the trunk and then there's a referee in the car and then he 
you know, hits him, hits it, takes Bobby Roode's head, slams it into the truck, and then gets him for the one, two, three. So right now for that 24-7 championship, our truth is the champion. We have already two former champions in Titus O'Neal and Robert Roode. So we'll see what happens. I just think this is a really good opportunity, Mark, to get that mid-card over. This is a mid-card championship. Listen, you're 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 not going to see Roman Reigns going after for the twenty going after the twenty four seven. How do you know? Well, I, I, I perception is reality. So unless something changes, I hope I'm wrong, Mark. I hope you're right. I hope that next week Roman Reigns Superman punches our truth, covers him for the one two three, and becomes the twenty four seven championship. I just don't see that happening. You know what I think? What I'd like to see? What's that? And and it would take somebody like Randy Orton to do it. Is you see two guys and they're they're fighting and they like hit each other at the same time and they both go down and the title is on the ground in between them and then Randy walk by and get, grab the title and look at one look at the other they're both down where you can pin them and you go nah and you take one guy's arm and put it over the other guy and put the title on top and the referee slides in like you could do so much. There's so many entertaining things that you can do that I think would be really fun for that title. Well, I, I want involve the main guys. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna find out as we get, you know, further down the line, Mark, what they do with this championship and how it's established and who's going after it and if they can really take this talent base that really isn't being used and not on TV and make them a part of this storyline for the championship. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Well, those days, it, <sighs> compassion wasn't one of the major elements in John Creese's personality. <laughs> you know, but um, now it is. Now there is some things in Cobra Kai that, you know, he goes back and forth. Yeah. You know, which well, is, going back to Mr. Cove. Yeah. Listen, you talk about an archive of films that come highly regarded. Man, like I, I, Rambo is still one of my top ten action films of all time. Uh, and you. like, what? Looking at your history, like, is there a is there a movie that stands out? Like, you feel like okay, that represents me the best. Hmm. Well, I'm a big Western advocate. You know, I love doing westerns, and I remember having such a good time working with Kevin Costner and Larry Kasdan on White Earp. Wow. Know? And I, I just, in fact, I actually remember crying when I had to leave the set. It was a week's work, and I was so depressed that I didn't want to leave these people who loved making westerns. They loved making movies. And it was like I just did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and, you know, small part, but working with Quentin. Guys who just love to make movies, and there's something quite different about working with people like that than just a regular job, you know. But I think some of the best times I had were The Gambler, the last installment of The Gambler with Kenny Rogers, and I played a real live guy who was in the Wild Bunch, Blackjack Ketchum. And when he died, his and when he was hung, his neck tore away from his torso, you know, and he was misweighted. The gallows were misweighted. But those kind of characters that you can do research on and, you know, they're non-fictional mm-hmm. characters. And they're just a gas to play. 
you know, and, and it took us to San Antonio, and I was born on the day the Alamo fell. So I got to go to San Antonio and go to the Alamo and just have a ball while I was making my own little Western, you know? That's pretty cool. Is there not an eerie feeling at the at the Alamo? It's magic, though. I, you know, I, I anytime I'm flying anywhere in Texas, and I was just there doing VFW, uh, a horror action movie with Stephen Lang, William Sadler, David, you know, David um, Kelly, and I want to tell you, I just had a ball down there, you know, and and we did went to Austin to do Cobra Kai for. Um, uh, the world premiere, which was at the film festival at the South by Southwest, but is is yeah, it is eerie if you think about 150 men fighting off 5,000, and most of the most of the fortress is gone, so yeah. it's only a little bit of the church that was technically the top was rebuilt at the turn of the century. But Texas is a place that I find fantastic. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. You know? oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we just had we just had uh, Daryl Moose Johnston on our show on Friday, and you're talking to two of the biggest Dallas Cowboy fans right here. So you're you're you're, you're it's the best. You're in good company, yes. sir. Well, I I, met, I was making this movie for the last five weeks. We just wrapped about two weeks ago, and I went to uh, a friend of mine. The stunt coordinator's wife worked for the Cowboys, so she they took me to the headquarters, and I went to the Star. And I went all around, and I saw that two fields are there, and in the pro shop. And he's he pays for breakfast and and lunch for all his employees, Jerry Jones. Yeah. And the complex itself is just amazing, truly amazing. I, I was so impressed with everything that was there. And I was an Oakland Raider fan. I mean, I was a major when I got out to California. I was a Raider fan, and I didn't have a. a I didn't. I played soccer. I was a goalie, and it was the closest thing to wanting to play football. But I didn't go to colleges or high schools that had football teams mm-hmm. here in New York. And um, so ultimately, when I got out to the coast, I became friends with the doctor of the Raiders, Doctor Rosenfeld, and he took James Garner and I to the fields, and we'd watch the games on the field. You and know, there's so much to talk to you about because you just mentioned that you were born and raised here in New York, in in Brooklyn, correct? Yeah. yeah. And then you just ma- mentioned one uh, another legendary great actor, James Gardner, and and I know you did an episode of the Rockford Files, and you did a lot of those iconic shows in the seventies: Rockford Files, Starsky and Hutch, Quincy. Um, what was that like to you know to act with some of those huge superstars at the time back then? The, the cool thing about it, if you were smart enough not to come on to them, not to like goo goo gaga and just mm-hmm. lay back. It was like even before those movies, in 76 when I did The White Buffalo with Charlie Bronson, I played Jack McCall, the guy who kills Wobbly Hickok in history. And he and I are meeting in The White Buffalo two years before Jack McCall assassinates him. And I just laid back with Charlie Bronson, and I loved Charlie Bronson. And I, it was 1976, <laughs> so I had I was into The Great Escape. I was into Dirty Dozen. I was into every, The Man with the Camera, the series he did in, in the late 50s. I loved Charlie Bronson. Here I was working with him on a Western set, and I was in heaven, but I just stayed cool. I brought in about five 8x10s, not for autographs, and I didn't want him to sign it. I just brought him pictures of him with the axe over his shoulder from Magnificent Seven, wow. you know, when he's chopping trees with the kids. And 
And I just, and another movie when hell broke loose and a bunch of stuff. And I remember him saying, God, I was ugly. And I said, no, man, you weren't ugly, you know? And I never asked him for an autograph. And I found out, you know, when I was working the scene, he says, who is this kid behind the bar doing the scene? And Pancho Conner, his agent at the time, says, it's this guy, Marty Cove, we got him. Yeah, he's, what do you think? And to Charlie, big grin on his face. You know, he really liked it. And I heard this from my friend who was standing there. So I said to my friend, that's all Charlie did? Is he smiled in reference to my performance? And he says, for Charlie Bronson, that was godly. You know? <laughs> wow. And then, and the, and the joke was that 13 years later, I bumped into him at a black tie affair, and this is after Karate Kid and Cagney and Lacey, and I was already somewhat established, and I said, Charlie, do you remember me from White Buffalo? And he says, do I remember you? Are you still doing that series with them girls? <laughs> and I said, I said to him, you watch Cagney and Lacey? He says, my favorite show. Charlie Bronson's favorite show was Cagney and Lacey. Well, it was a good show. It was a good it show. It was a but, good show. But there's you're no a better action. Man, you're a better man than me because when I meet my stars, my heroes, oh, man, I lose it. Daryl Johnson probably does not want to meet me. He, th <laughs> he probably thinks I'm going to hug him and kiss him, which he prob he's probably right. I'll probably hug him and kiss him. Well, you know, I will love him. I will hug him. I will kiss him. That's funny. Well, it's but remember, the football players want to be – Actors, actors want to be football players. Rock and roll stars want to be true. Want want to be want actors. Want to be athletes. And you know, athletes it, it's a whole deal. Everybody stars. wants to switch positions. But I hung out with Stabler and Matusak in those days of the Raiders, and we had a lot of fun. But then, you know, th th there was a problem with the quarterback for two decades, and I couldn't. I I just. I like to watch quarterbacks. I really liked watching Elway. I and uh, even if I wasn't rooting for the teams. I would love to watch Elway. I'd love to watch Stabler. I would love to watch um, Marino, mm -hmm. you know, Staubach. Yeah. You know, I'd love to watch guys because I used to throw well, you know, and, and I loved, I was a baseball, you know, scattered for, the, for Houston at one time. But the bottom line was I loved throwing and I loved the, the game of throwing. And um, I found just watching people like Starbuck and, and Marino and all all of that whole group of quarterbacks was fascinating. And it slowly I slowly migrated into becoming a Dallas fan, you know, um after Kenny passed away after Kenny, you know, retired and and um I guess Plunkett right after the Plunkett era, about yeah. eighty two, eighty three, you know. But football to me is one thing that I, I totally understand your, you know, fascination with you know, with um I just can't hold my composure. Like, you could just see right through me. Like, I would be standing there probably rubbing my hands with a big smile on my face. <laughs> I might be panting or something. I don't know. I'm, I I just lose it when I see the people. I, and, I, and I'm really pretty stable guy mentally. Well, I don't <laughs> know about I just that. Lose I, it. I don't know about that. But I'm, I've seen, like, with when people approach Mark, because we saw it recently, Mark, like, there was a woman that was like literally, oh my God, it's Mark Henry. And she's jumping up and down because she's going to meet Mark Henry. So, you know, people react to certain people in a different way. People that they grew up watching or people that they admire. You can understand that type of a reaction. I think I think that, you know, if it's football players, I think that that's 
for me, that was part of my life that I never got a chance to do, mm-hmm. to play a profession to play football because I love physical contact. I grew up in Brooklyn and we played touch football, but it wasn't so much touch. We tackled on the street, <laughs> on yeah. concrete, you know, and I, I didn't mind doing that, you know, and um, I, I liked it. I, ne- I needed it, you know, I was 10, 11, 12, and I just liked it, and I liked it better than stickball. I, and I think that you grow up with that kind of passion to be one of those gladiators because they, that's a sport where, you know, you just, NFL owns Sunday. I mean, you just sit back yeah. with a cigar and, you know, and you just watch those, you know, if you got the stamina, you can watch two games in a row. But that to me, you know, my lady Mary, she doesn't like too much when I do that. But I need to do it. It is just the most relaxing experience for me as much as horseback riding. You know, I like to go out there and be at one with the earth. Um, we just came from Greenwood Lake, which is a wonderful place where they had this film festival that I got an award last week. Which Congratulations. Is what, thank you. Which is what brought us to New York. And it's a marvelous film festival, but it's held at Greenwood Lake. And we stayed at this lovely hotel, um, the uh, New Continental Hotel, right on the lake. And it's just, it was heaven. And I could only compare it to the level of relaxation and enjoyment that you get watching football. Because you can go brain dead. You just... <laughs> lock in there and you just wish you were on the field you know you wish you were getting a pass from Dak you know <laughs> oh yeah we'll Mr. Cove can I ask you a, can I ask you a question can I tell you a little story actually sure okay this is story time as it relates to Karate Kid when I was a sophomore in high school I saw the worst ass whooping I ever saw in my life there was a guy that I grew up with that, you know, we watched every, anything karate, we watched. And he got into it with a guy. And he did the karate kid pose and got the absolute hell beat out of him. He kicked and missed, landed on his butt, and the dude jumped on him and grabbed him in a shoot headlock and you know how you see the cartoons where the big knots raise up on people's head? He gave him one of those rapid fire, one, two, three, four, five, like just right to the forehead. And he looked like a unicorn with three <laughs> horns. <laughs> I mean, and so like my whole child, like it was so funny that every time I saw him, like we called him Uni because his nickname was Uni because of all the knots. That stuck out from his head. I was just like, man, this is just, it was so great. Now I get to talk to to a man that was involved heavily with the film. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that you take that as funny as I did because (laughs) he threw that kick and landed on his ass. Well, unless you're a uni, uni didn't find it funny. Well, you got to remember one thing that, you know, maybe he deserved to lose that fight because. (laughs) The crane kick was completely illegal. Yes, it was illegal. And for 35 years, Johnny Lawrence has been the karate kid for me. It has not been Danny Lewis. Yeah. And Johnny Lawrence was always the karate kid as far as I'm concerned because he lost to a kick illegal. that was illegal. Illegal. There's and no only, such thing as the crane kick. Even in your world there, there's no such thing in Texas as the crane kick. No. <laughs> you know? And Texas is open to anything. Yeah, just about anything. Just about anything. Yeah. I want to get into Cobra Kai, and of course, Cobra Kai season number two is 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 available now on YouTube. 
a tremendous season. Season one was fantastic. I, you can ask the guys here. I'm addicted to Cobra Kai. And it's funny because here, you know, we do a pro wrestling show. Cause, so we talk about the good guys, the bad guys, the faces, and the heels. Obviously, your character, Sensei Kreese, major heel. But everybody was excited when season one came to a close and then you appeared at the school lighting that cigar and there you are and you dominated season two because i think what we're finding out with cobra kai with johnny and with daniel russo there's no really good guys or bad guys it's a it's it's a gray area like everybody's kind of gray including sensei crease you're there's a reason why you are the way you are at this point in your life you went through the vietnam war I'm sure, I'm hoping next season, maybe we hear some of those stories that happened while you're in Vietnam and maybe an understanding of why you that character is the way that character is. Do you agree with that? Do you think that really the characters are great? And in when season three does come out, because there is going to be a season three, are we going to dig a little deeper into Sensei Kreese? Well, you know, we never know what's going to happen with the script um, until really close to the time we start shooting. But yes, to answer your question, there will be you know greater depth. Where they're going to go, one doesn't know. I came up with some great stuff regarding um, Vietnam, regarding backstories and all. They already thought these things out. Whether they're going to use them or not, we don't know because we're always surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're always surprised. But I signed on to the show wanting a a level of texture to play rather than the stoic tough guy that you are up there, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's kind of, it's cool. Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2, Karate Kid 3 was my vehicle, and then they brought in Terry Silver to come and play what I originally was going to do. The whole sting in Karate Kid 3 was done by John Kreese. I got a TV series, couldn't do it, so they put me on the periphery of the film. Interesting. Yeah, and, and oddly enough, you know, you can't really disenfranchise the villain. If you try to disenfranchise Darth Vader from Star Wars, it, it yeah. would be a massive revolution and people probably wouldn't go to see the picture. But the bottom line was that, that you know, I was told they will write lots of colors in for season two, and they did. And the reason why we all like the show so much, Ralph and Billy and I, is because not only are they just terrific writers, they wrote Harold and Kumar, they wrote Hot Tub Time Machine, but they're smart guys. They watched these movies when they were six years old, and now they they've been cultivating, making, continuing the story, but not making a sequel, creating some sort of epic that the whole family can gather around, like the old Ed Sullivan show, and sit there and watch it and have something for everybody. With my ten-year-old cousin that I'm staying with, um, she's ten and she loves the show, and she's really smart. The kids today are so sophisticated with entertainment that you must write characters to be gray. If you try to write write white hats and black hats, you know, you'll you'll get what happened to the Western. Mm -hmm. Now we have to create Westerns where all the characters are gray as well, you know. And um, they do that. They have automatically done that. This perception of what works is so high that you just sign on and you believe in them. 
and I and you just mentioned generation, like a new generation loving this show because it's it's obviously Mark and I who are in our forties that love it because we're fans of the original movies. But now you right. have a, a new generation that just know Cobra Kai and just love the characters that are in there. Like you said, they're deep. They're not the the white hat, black hat. That's a, a big gray area, but also where it's available on YouTube, which. I know my daughter constantly on her phone. That's where she watches things. It's on YouTube now. So I think the platform of YouTube was a great way to debut this series. And, and you know, originally I think it was Amazon and Netflix. They all bid for it, but they had certain restrictions. And YouTube just let them go without restrictions. And the writers could write and they direct and, you know, they edit. Uh, I mean, you... you we had a rough year last year because we didn't finish all the work because everything was written so well. So ultimately, we would do pickup shots from episode four while you're shooting episode eight, which is chronologically and emotionally very difficult for wow. the actor. It's really hard. Wow, that is rough. Yeah. And, and yet you do it because Billy and I would go to work and we'd, you know, we'd be so tired. You'd, you'd be picking up, sometimes you had three crews shooting three different episodes that day. And but you couldn't complain because these writers wrote, they directed, they produced, they edited, and then they rewrote during the wee hours for the next day if something you needed rewriting. So you could never complain as an actor that you're being overworked because these because they were doing as much these, work as you were. These cats were doing more than three of us put together. You know, wow. So that's like you, Mark, with Vince McMahon, a guy worked uh, worked harder than anybody else. So how can you complain to the boss when the boss yeah, is working you, harder than you, you? You can't complain to Vince, and I, I think he's a vampire. I still tell people that all the time. <laughs> I've never seen him sleep. I've never seen him sleep. He's always got a notepad. He writes everything down. Like and and that's something that I've found with a lot of these really really successful and powerful people, is they still write everything down. Sure, sure. I, I mean, it, it, also you have to remember. I think most of those really high level people. I think they're at a morning meeting from breakfast meeting, around the clock dinner meeting. Yeah. Family life is somewhat limited. I think mm -hmm. when you're at that level, you know, heading a studio and you know, heading a network, there's just, you know, there are priorities. And I think somewhere along the line, even as an actor, when you have Cobra Kai, you know, I know like Billy, his family, he's got, you know, kids that are little, they're six mm -hmm. and nine. And and, and um, you got to be there for them. You know, I, I'm a, my situation is a little different and, and so is Ralph's because our kids are grown up. But you got to be there and to somehow be a mogul and maintain the level with family, it's tricky. It's really tricky, you know, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I hope we all, I retired ha hope we all have that problem. Of, yeah, I, I had to retire. <laughs> I was missing I was missing everything. My wife was doing everything by herself. And, you know, my kids would not see me for sometimes two or three weeks at a time. And it got to the point where I could get home and when I got ready to leave, people would cry. You know, they were both crying. I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is too much, and I I knew it was time. But to go to go to a, a, a happier note, uh, being a, you're a cigar guy, right? I do. I relax a lot with a cigar. So, are you a Connecticut or are you a Maduro guy? It well, it varies. You know, occasionally, uh, it's mostly Connecticut. Uh, I'll have a Maduro on 
when I know the tobacco isn't as rich as I would like it, I'll go for a, a, a Maduro wrapper. But Connecticut pretty much, you know, is on most of the cigars I smoke. What do you think about the Partegas, like number two or number four? The number four red label is the best. That's Robusto, the best. Robusto, you know, um, the Bolivar Torpedo, the the limited edition Partegas four, the red with the black label and the red label, that Robusto doesn't. Can, can you leave an address with Alex so I can send you something? Sure, of course. I want to mail you something. I just smoked Tipperellas, $2.50 at the 7 Eleven. Get out of here. <laughs> you cannot talk to us right now. <laughs> Martin, thank you so much for the time. Again, Cobra Kai season two available now on YouTube. And I'm guessing next April or May, we're going to get season number three of Cobra I think, Kai. I think so. It's going to be really, I mean, what they're going to write. And there's a lot of things happening that. It's not, you know, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's like that one doesn't really know. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, I, I had a conversation with the writers just before I left because I knew I was going to be here. And what can I talk about? And they didn't give me much leeway at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they said, we're still planning X, Y, and Z, and everybody's going to love it. So just shut up and talk about yourself. <laughs> all right, Mark. Mr. Cove. Cove, you're a man's man. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you, you're a, a my my kind of guy. So oh, thank I, I, you. I can't wait to meet you one day. I know that the stars will align and that'll happen. But thank you so much for coming on. Like uh, We really appreciate you. And we'll share tobacco one day. We will. One of these days. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. One thing I wanted to get back to, Mark, and this is going back to Sunday because we haven't really talked about it, and I thought it was not only a fantastic match, but one of the better matches this year, and that was the match between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank on Sunday. What did you think of the contest between AJ and Seth? And I think, you know, pretty cool contest for Seth now that that was his first pay-per-view under his belt as Universal Champion after WrestleMania 35. I love the word contest because both of those guys are such unbelievably talented guys. Their skill sets match. They can do all of the same stuff. They can fly. They can grapple. Um, They entertain you. Like, there's no limit to their talent. And for them two to go in in their primes and compete like that, it says volumes about them as men and as wrestlers. But more than anything, I like the story they kept telling. Like, I know you could do that. I could do this better. And at the end, they shook hands like two real true baby faces would do. And AJ was uh, said something that was very emotional right there at the, right there at the end. When he, when he stuck his hand out and Seth didn't shake his hand immediately, he said, come on, man, shake my hand. You know this is hard for me. And that emotion came through to me in, in just a strong wave. 
I can feel the fact that he's a prideful man and he was letting the world know, listen, man, I'm going to congratulate you, but this is hard. Shake my hand. And man, that was, that was like a, that was a, that was a great point in the show. It's a great story, Mark. I mean, here yeah. we are, we're talking to Martin Cove, you know, actor. I mean, I would love to sit Martin Cove down, who's probably not a pro wrestling fan, and show him that match. And the story that they told in the ring, and like you just said, the true emotion that came afterwards. You know, saying, AJ saying to Seth, you know what? Like, shake my hand. This is hard for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it there's talk and then there's emotion. And that's the biggest difference, I think. Mark, when it comes sometimes when a wrestler has a microphone in their hand and they're talking and you could tell they're not, they're not believing what they're saying. The look in their eye. You know, when a man's talking and a woman's talking from pure emotion, you could read it in their eyes, Mark. You read it in the eyes of AJ Styles. And Seth Rollins fed off of that emotion, Mark. He really didn't even have to say that. I could already sense that the way he was holding his hand, he turned his head and he he kind of jostled around a little bit. And it, it, you can see the pride starting to well up in him. Like, come on, man, like shake my hand already. OK, like I'm I'm, I'm you're about to change my whole frame of mind. Like and you can see that brewing. And, and that that's the talent of A.J., uh, AJ is a is a special performer, and so is Seth. And I I was hoping that our uh, our cage match would would rival that, but it it just didn't live up. I think a lot of it was the bar was set so high with uh, AJ and and uh, and Seth. Yeah, and the thing with AJ and Seth, you're you're getting two of the best guys in the ring. And what we talked about on Friday is. Hey, you knew you were going to get one hell of a contest, and I think it was enough. What a great match. The emotion coming out, perfect. Perfect from start to finish. Now, you just brought up The Miz and Shane McMahon. We loved that, Mark, because of the story that was being told going in to that match at Money in the Bank. We knew it was going to be a car crash. I don't think we got what we wanted. Obviously, there was some shenanigans and everything else that was going on. And, you know, Shane was able to get that chair from outside the ring and bring it into the cage. But, I, you know, I don't think it met our expectations. You know, what was lacking in that cage match between The Miz and Shane McMahon? You know what? Uh, the expectation for me was I wanted to see Shane... Uh, do some of the things that he's done in years past. Like, you know, just to see him jump from one corner to the other and uh and drop kick Miz sitting in the corner. And um they they motioned like they were gonna do a suplex off the top. And I just knew that if that was gonna happen because it was something that it looked like was gonna set up to happen in that match. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, there was a the, the the whole point of them getting into the rope break took a lot of steam out for me because I'm I'm thinking, no, like you, you can't do that. But as Jimmy stated, that it was it was not technically a rope break. It was the them him just saying no, you can't win the title that way. So. Um, 
I think explanations would have been great too. Like they normally tell you, you can open the door to get out of the cage, you can climb over the top, or you can get a cover. Like uh, I think that would have been something that um, would have added to that match because people were, you know, like you, you can't expect everybody to know the rules of engagement in a cage match. And also with a cage match, especially, listen, we've seen cage matches sometimes used the wrong way, especially in the WWE over the last decade. Cage matches, there's always the blow-off match. That was the way you ended a feud was with a cage match. And usually it was pretty brutal. We didn't really get that on Sunday. But right. to me, when it came comes to a cage match, especially with Miz and Shane McMahon, why not keep it simple? Say, you know what? The only way you can win is through the cage door or over the top of the cage. Forget about submissions. Forget about falls. Just make it simple. Hey, escape the cage. Because at the end of the day, that's how the match ended. Was Shane escaping the cage? To me, sometimes simple is much better. Uh, simple is usually better. Except for in a cage match. In a cage match, you, you want it to be extra. I, I just wanted it to be extra, Dave. Like extra extra how? Like, what do you mean? Uh, that suplex off the top would have been nice. The West Coast would have been nice. Um, having something happen where uh, they both took unbelievable finishes back-to-back. -back, um, kind of a double down to... Both of them going opposite directions and both trying to get out of the cage at the same time. Like, I mean, it's stuff that was uniform and that that uniformity is what I missed in that match. All right, let's go back out to the busted open nation. We've had some fans that have been holding a while. Let's go out to Russell in Alabama. Russell, what's going on? Hey, good morning, guys. Nice to talk to you. I wanted to talk about the 24 uh, 7 bill and. Uh, I'm with everybody else that thought it was a little wonky at first. I was watching with my wife, and she literally said, what the F, and got up and walked out. But I think it could be good, uh, just a, a shot, a little mid-card kick. You could always give it a little serious to say, hey, you've retained ten times in a row. You get a shot at the U.S. Championship or the Intercontinental Championship just to give these guys a little push. Uh, on the mid cards, try to get somebody hyped up behind them because this would be one of the hardest ways to retain. This is going to be the hardest title to retain because you never know when it's going to come. Russell, and 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 I and thanks for the phone call. And I hear what you're saying. And as you're talking, I'm starting to think. And you mentioned about maybe if they revamp this 24/7 title, maybe this is a step in a direction. You know, to contend for the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title. I don't think the WWE is looking at it in those terms. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, in the show that Lance Storm tweeted out that there's now 11 championships being held by 14 different people. I think the WWE is looking at these championships right now, Mark, as like, hey, let's present something different for our audience. I think they're looking at this 24-7 title, and I know this is going to sound wrong but you know it, it's how i feel i don't think this 24 7 championship is going to be what we call a quote-unquote credible championship i think this 24 7 championship is what it is as we said earlier mark as it's meant to entertain it's 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 meant to entertain 
And and I think that's I think that's what how we're gonna have to look at this title. I I, I don't think we need to put expectations into this title. I don't think we need to look at this title as, hey, if you capture this title, you're you're the next contender for the WWE championship or the Universal Championship. I think they're looking at this championship title as just purely entertainment. I I hope that the fans don't turn on um this whole deal, this whole angle, because uh, they're not getting exactly what they want. I think that, you know, we got to bear with it and hope for the best, just like we did with the Viking experience. Mm -hmm. Let's just hope that we get uh, what we want and not make demands and shun it. Like, let's let's don't do that. So you're you're saying keep your expectations low when it comes to this championship? <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. I mean, I, I again, like you said, like you know earlier on, like when you had the the wrestlers chasing each other in the back, and Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin are kind of looking on, like what's going on here? They're not gonna get. You're not gonna get those guys involved with this championship. This is kind of like for that lower mid card, and I think it's just purely when it comes to entertainment value. All right, when we come back, Mark, I want to finish up on the conversation. I want to, um, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to break. I was going to break. I'm going to take more phone calls. I'm going to change the rules. Let's go out change to Change the rules. I'm going to, let's go out to Jacob in New York. Jacob, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? I just wanted to get your thoughts like on the whole Hangman Page situation going on on Saturday with whole, how Pac isn't going to be on the show. Yeah, this has been an ongoing issue over the last week, Mark, and I don't know if you heard going into Double or Nothing on Saturday. We were supposed to have a match between Pac and Hangman Page. Uh, there was rumors about that there was creative differences, you know, with AEW and Pac about this matchup. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, there's visa issues with Pac, and I think it's more of visa issues with Pac than anything else. I mean, again, these are all reports that I've been reading leading up into Saturday. Was there anything specific, Jacob, when it came to this and Hangman Page? Uh, I don't think there was anything specific. I just think, I think, like, I heard something like it was his whole, with him holding the title that he has right now, but I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, the Dragon Gate title? Yeah. And I know, and, and and listen, Jacob, thanks so much for the phone call. I know that Dragon Gate title means a lot to Pac. I mean, as soon as Pac left the WWE, I believe his first appearance after the WWE was with Dragon Gate. So there's a strong affiliation with Pac and Dragon Gate. Again, I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact of that match being canceled, creative differences, I have no idea. I know that AEW is going to push Hangman Page hard. I know that Hang they look at Hangman Page as one of their big superstars, as they should. The guy's super talented. And when Pocket, we Pocket is something serious, though. Like he he's a special cat, and I, I think that uh, a lot of people have not got to see him. It's kind of like Moxley. Like you, John wants to be John. And Pac wants to be Pac. And you have to let these people be who they are organically, and you'll win. Now, I know— Just just let them do them. And I think that's why they're a part of AEW now. Now, Alex, I know that their match out in the U.K., Hangman Page and Pac, is going to air 
like as, as soon as we sign off today, correct? Yeah, so I think because they had to scrap this match for whatever reason, you know, Meltzer is saying that it's, you know, it has to do with creative differences and stuff going on backstage. Others seem to insinuate that this is an outstanding visa issue with Pac. We don't really know the truth. And there's been visa issues with Pac correct, already. Correct, correct. And basically what it, what ha- to make good on it, they flew Hangman Page to the UK at a, at a local indie show. Um, it's a little bit more of an indie. It's one of the bigger independent promotions in, um, in the UK to make good and have the Pac Hangman Page match. They filmed it. That match will air at noon Eastern today on the All Elite Wrestling YouTube page. So you'll kind of get a glimpse as to what's going down, and hopefully we get a uh, notice soon as to whether or not uh, there's a replacement for Hangman Page at Double or Nothing. And there needs to be. I mean, and you're so right, Mark, when it comes to Pac. Like, we never saw him truly in the WWE. Um and and that's that, that's something that I'm looking forward to with AEW because like you said when you're going to get these guys you know take the gloves off you know let's see what they actually can do and I think that's something that we're going to definitely see at double or nothing with AEW Mark Yeah and I mean you said take the gloves off let literally let these guys go I mean John is <laughs> I think that when you wake up and you don't have to think and you don't have to cater to nobody, you go and be who you want to be. Same thing with Pac. He's more of a Chris Benoit than he was a guy with a cape. I mean, I mean, it was he's a tough dude. Like, let him go be him. You'll make money. You'll make money with these guys, both of them. They, they have to be allowed a little freedom. And I'm not saying that you give everybody. Chris Jericho was always that guy, too. Let Chris go. Chris knows how to go out and make you money. He, he's, he's got great instincts. And, and, and both of these guys are instinctive guys, and they can work and call it. And you don't have to set up a bunch of stuff. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, the whole world is missing the boat. I hope it's not creative differences because that's kind of selfish. Like, you work for the match. Like, go out there and work for the match. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.